It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. We're back, the Total Celebrity Show on the Total Education Network. Again, TotalTutor.net for more information. Twitter, Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley. Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley. Instagram, Total Tutor. Pinterest, Neil Haley. And Google+. And uh, I tell you what, when I think of an athlete like this athlete, I think about he, for especially for our flagship station, and me being a huge Steeler fan, he was definitely a Steeler killer. Uh, one of the best <laughs> backs, I'm just telling you, when I think about Eddie George, and I think about what he has done to the Steelers in so many years, but again, also his career with Ohio State and things he's doing now. So I'm excited to welcome the program. Heisman Trophy winner, four-time All-Pro, 10,000-yard rushing club, Eddie George. Eddie, thanks for calling, and how are you? I'm doing all right. Can't complain. I'm uh, six feet above ground. It's always a good thing. (laughs) And Eddie, think about what you were able to do against the Steelers in your career with the Titans. Oh, my. You really uh, dominated them, I think, for sure. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, going against the Steelers, you knew one thing, um, that it was going to be a physical uh, matchup. You had to bring uh, a few more aspirin with you, some ice bags, and your lunch pail, because it was going to be a very long day going against that defense. No matter who they had on the side of the football, they were going to play a certain way, and your body definitely felt it afterwards. Definitely, and I think because you're such a physical runner, you liked playing teams that were physical like that. You wanted to get into that kind of a contact type of – that's the kind of back you were, not one that's going to just run away. Yeah. No, no, I mean, you, you couldn't have – you couldn't you didn't have a chance to be uh, soft in that league. I mean, you had to take on the defenders. You had to punish them. And, you know, I, I like to say that, I was able to do that over a long period of time without missing a game in that conference going up against those defenses. And, uh, you know, my yoga practice had a lot to do with that, I believe. You know, um, doing yoga for the, since 97 has really allowed me to stretch my body, um, be in, in opt- optimal uh, shape, um, have uh, extra core strength and uh, the flexibility to do it, you know, year in and year out and to be a running back they carry the ball 30 times a game. So um, I like to say, you know, that really helped me uh, become the running back that I was and had a career that I had. Well, and it definitely sounds like that, Eddie, because of being in tip-top shape, you had to be in, and especially you were you were definitely a physical specimen, a running back that, you know, this is the prototypical running back you want. If you're going to draft in the NFL draft, you're going to say, hey, this guy looks like a mm-hmm. running back, and this guy is not the like the small backs that, you know, 
three or four years and they're done. This is somebody that's going to be able to carry the load like a Jerome Bettis, but have a, a physique like uh, some of those other unbelievable backs and careers. You just you looked at, you said, man, we're going to be able to tackle somebody like that. So, Eddie, thinking about that whole specifics when you're talking about yoga and that practice, how did your teammates feel when you said, hey, this is what I do? You know, lots of people like hitting that gym, you know, doing their cardio, but you had a practice that was a little different than some a lot of your uh, teammates, right? For sure, in yoga. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't shy away from it. I was always one within my training that I was going to do things differently. And um, yoga was one of the things that I really uh, took serious. Um, guys tried to give me, uh, tried to tease me about it and so forth. And, um, <laughs> and uh, really make a mockery out of it. But after a while, when they saw the benefits behind it, you know, I didn't miss a game in nine years due to injury. So I'd like to say that, uh, you know, yoga had a big part of that. Well, it, it definitely seems like it had a big a part of all that certain situation. And now, I guess, life after football, you, after your career was over, you had ideas. It seemed like you were definitely a personality that you wanted to take uh, your, your talents and you were ready for life after, weren't you? It sounds like right when you retired. Well, yeah, you know, I've uh, I've delved into different things from entrepreneurship, education, entertainment. Um, I've act, I've done acting, continue to do acting. Um, I have a wealth management firm now. Um, I, I teach at the University of Ohio State. Um, I partnered with Giam to create a yoga DVD um, where men and women can look at um, what my practice is like and you know get ideas of what they can do. Um, really hardcore. Uh, workout that they can look at, and it's really a good thing. If you're a beginner, um, an athlete, man or woman, and uh, you get it done. Yeah, so think about that. When you said about you know partnering with Gaim and being able to have the opportunity to uh, to to show all the talent that you've developed in yoga and to be in a video, it fits all of it. You're an entrepreneur, you're an actor, you're an entertainer, you're an educator. You're doing all of that in this video, aren't you? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm doing um, I'm sitting up uh, 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 the whole ordeal of what we do, and it's all geared towards strength, core strength, stretching, um, tapping into uh, breathing exercises that you got to go into it. So um, it's all it's all right there. Um, a 30 minute video, and it's just pretty intense. And uh, again, anybody any level can do it. They can try. You can take it on the road with you. So it's an extension of what you want to get done as your practice. So I really have enjoyed working with Gaim and creating this product uh, that's for anybody. And thinking about when you were creating this and thinking about you want more and more athletes to – you to use yoga in their daily practices, not just constantly hitting the gym and doing cardio, but really showing how right. this really helps in your balance. It helps you on the field. It helps you mm-hmm. decrease injuries for sure. Yoga. And we see this all the time well, with yeah. people that have done this. So they continue can, to play and still enjoy life for sure. Well, you know, we, there isn't any quantifiable data that supports, you know, the yoga cuts down on it. I, I like to believe that it does. Um, because you put yourself in positions that you would normally be in on the football field, and you learn to breathe and be comfortable in those uncomfortable positions, and your, your muscles train in that way, and they get uh, they're accustomed to being bent, stressed, and so forth. 
um, and your joints will will adapt to that. Um, you can't have a rigid body uh, while playing in any sport. I think you have to have some, some level of fluidity uh, and, and flexibility to go along with that, and yoga definitely does that. Um, you know, you, you mentioned it, it really strengthens your core. You work on your balance. Uh, it brings a level of focus to your practice that you – um, that you need as an athlete to get into that so-called zone, you know, um, because there will be moments when it's not, when you're very uncomfortable in the field, within your practice, and you learn to breathe through those moments, moment to moment, where now, like I like to say, is you become comfortable in the uncomfortable. Now, thinking about this, Eddie, when you talk about yoga and the practice of, of developing that, sense of peace as well that you need in certain situations, breathing activities, things like that. Lots of athletes go through very challenging pressures, especially when you had to go ahead and play uh, in Pittsburgh in front of a hostile crowd, or you had a really uh, yeah, big, big, big time being on the, the Super Bowl field and having this big opportunity to face the St. Louis Rams. You really had to kind of, be calm and how many athletes do you deal with on a daily basis that are just so wired that they miss out and they're not focused in those big opportunities throughout a game that's part of yoga for sure to to build that sense of oh, yeah. uh, of uh of that presence of peace and 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 focus really helps with your focus doesn't it yeah i mean it's being it's being calm in the eye of the storm i mean that that's the key is that when all chaos breaks around you is how calm you can be and find the opportunities to be successful, if that makes sense. So you really bring the center of peace so you can really hone in and focus on the task you have to do in that moment and not give in to the distractions around you. Like in yoga, it could be heat. It could be being in an uncomfortable position. It could be the, the soreness that you feel in your hips being uh, in a down dog or whatever. And you have a choice to, to focus on the pain or go a little bit deeper and focus on, okay, what am I, what can I benefit here to get stronger and to breathe through it and not to panic. So on that level, on the spiritual level, that's what it kind of trains you to do. That's why we call it a practice. And the same thing permeates over to everyday life. You know, when you run into stressful situations and um, things aren't going well at the household or your, your children aren't doing well or you just got laid off or whatever, you have to understand that you bring in that practice to remain calm, to breathe, and to see what opportunities are there for you. And so it's just an extension of life. And I like to see, you know, yoga is life. You know, it yes. happens in 30 minutes, hour, or whatever practice you get. And those are the, the multi-benefits that you get from it, not just from the physical or the mental or the spiritual, but it's all-encompassing. It's really a holistic approach to, to your life. And what you what you see, Eddie, is that with you talked about your life now after football, the acting, the uh, the performing, the education, the teaching, to be able to keep that balance in your life, yoga keeps you yes, centered, sir. doesn't it? For sure, it has to. I mean, there's no way in the world I can do all that I'm doing and try to reach optimal efficiency without having those moments to myself, not without having the practice. Because you can get uh, distracted, off-centered, discouraged in each and every area of your life. And um, it can be difficult to do. So I, I like to, to really um, take you know, 30, 20, 20 minutes a day each morning 
to center myself um, in meditation, prayer, my practice, yoga, and before my day starts and uh, you get it going because it really makes a difference, you know, throughout my day, throughout my week, throughout the month, and throughout the year. So it just builds a compound. So yoga is definitely for everybody. And I've never tr- I've practiced yoga. I'm a former athlete, former professional wrestler, Eddie. I'm six foot ten, and I need to I need to really consider <laughs> this. And so tell me about the video a bit, a little bit of the video, so that people yeah. can go ahead and pick this up uh, for sure. And this is something I'm going to definitely check out as well because I see something like this is something I need with my crazy life, and sometimes not having the chance to work out as much as I want for sure. Yeah, well, you know, the video um, uh, myself, there's other athletes involved. Um, they um, uh, have a, a 20 or 30 minute workout video you can do, uh, really focus on strength, um, um, maybe conditioning, and uh, it's it's really good practice that that you you can follow. It's easy to do. You can do modifications of it. Um, you can go online to find it, um, and um, you know, and, and that's it. Really, I mean, it's it's something that you can do at any any stage, whether you're a beginner or expert. It's, it's there for you to try out. And and that's the, the the important thing that any it's not just for athletes it's for anybody who's looking to uh, be flexible to get in shape it helps with weight loss it helps with all these different things and the benefits of the as you said the spiritually where you're centered in life to go through all the daily challenges once you do yoga you probably are like Eddie you're like oh my gosh I look at my calendar today how am I going to survive you do your yoga session you're back out and you're like okay. I have, I'm ready to go, right? It just sounds like that to me, for sure, especially with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you have to try it. If you've never tried yoga, I would definitely recommend getting the DVD, and, and you'll see. I had one kid um, on my Instagram uh, send pictures of himself doing it, and, and uh, you know, who was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize being in a down dog was difficult. You know, you get guys that can bench press the world but can't hold their own body weight up for two minutes. And, you know, there, there's an issue there. And, and it's something that um, you have a chance to work on muscles and the muscle group in a totally different way. And um, you will definitely see the, the holistic benefit from it. All right. Where's the best place we can find information on you, Eddie? Learn more about you and especially about Gaim as well so that we can purchase the DVD and stuff. Where can we go? You can go to eddiegeorge.com. Uh, so everything's there, Eddie, right? And uh, so tell me for yep. a second about your acting. Well, how is that going? I mean, I heard your interview on uh, ESPN. Uh, I think it was Outside the Lines or something. But how are things going with that, with your acting career? It's going well. I finished up a performance called The Whipping Man just recently um, here in February with the Nashville Rep. Um, it, it, it was an amazing experience. It was a three-man play, uh, a lot of dialogue, Um and uh, it, it really stretched me in terms of a person, in terms of where my faith lies. I mean, the play was based in 1865, right after the Civil War. I played the role of a former slave at a, at a, at a home where the Confederate soldier comes back who lives there, and there is no more slavery. And, oh, wow. you know, how do you then engage with each other um, under these new circumstances, you know? Um, where do you go after freedom? What, what happens to the relationship? Um, what's life going to be like at this time and place in history? I mean, it was a pivotal point in American history. And to you know, have a, a Jewish slave owner in the South it doesn't, kind of re- doesn't really register. So 
so with the interesting perspective, um, um, three different characters, and I really enjoy doing it. The next thing I'll do in acting, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm taping something with a good friend of mine, uh, Jay Glazier, for a show that he's going to do on uh, hopefully a network, and um, uh, and that's it. So maybe you'll catch me on the big screen or the, or the stage somewhere, somewhere soon. It seems like you like being the TV personality. You like... It's continuing. You must have been someone who liked to talk to the media, so that's great because that's the kind of person that can continue to, to build his brand and keep it going. So, Eddie, uh, great talking to you. Best of luck with all the different ventures, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. All right, take care, Eddie. See you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Total Celebrity Show on the Total Education Network. Again, Tolger.net for more information. Uh, Twitter, Tolger, uh, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, uh, Instagram, Tolger, and Pinterest, Neil Haley. And uh, this is such an amazing story, and I'm so excited to talk about this because he, it's, it's amazing. When you think of the NFL and the dangers of concussions and head injuries, you get very concerned. And then this story is something where we thought maybe – how is he going to overcome this in adversity? And he has a great event to promote as well. So I'm excited to welcome the program Super Bowl champion, former Colorado Buffalo. I have to say that because I'm a huge Colorado fan. 49ers and Jets, Super Bowl champion George George Visker. George, thanks for calling, and how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, absolutely. And when you think about, George, specifically your story and uh, – what you were able to overcome, it's, it's tremendous and, and amazing. But to be at that high point of being on a team like the 49ers and being part of that low point as well, it's, it, it's a tale of, two, of a year, right? Especially being on a team like the 49ers. Oh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I was blessed. I, my, my short, uh, I don't call it a career, but my two years in the NFL, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be on a great team like that and, and win a Super Bowl. So a lot of guys play many, many years and never get that opportunity. And just to think about when you were started training camp with that team and to know specifically who you're on that with that team was, did you know that team was special? The, that... Well, you know what? I mean, I mean, my rookie year, we were either, I think, 6-10 and 10 or, uh, you know, we were, we were mediocre. Um, six and ten, eight and eight, I can't remember, but we, we were just an average team. And then uh, I don't think anyone really knew what we were headed for. We we had, you know, we drafted a great group of defensive backs. We had three rookie DBs start that year: um, Ronnie Lott, Eric Wright, and Carlton Williamson. Um, we brought in Hacksaw Reynolds from the from the Rams, who was just a great addition. And then um, just had guys really step forward and have great seasons and great careers from that moment on. So uh, no one knew what, you know, going into the season, nobody had a clue uh, how good we could be. So, And it just, and then that happened. So kind of take me back specifically, you started the season with them and that, the injury. Tell me about that. I had, uh, I, I, I was originally drafted by the Jets in 1980, like you said, out of Colorado. And then um, I was cut at the end of preseason, and the Niners picked me up early in the 80 season. And actually, uh, my brain injury uh, began the very first play uh, played with the Niners. We were playing the Cowboys in 1980. And the first play I'm in, first quarter, I, I suffered a major concussion. I was ear-holed on a Dallas tight end trap. Um, I don't even remember the rest of that game or, or the next week playing the Rams. But um, I guess I, they kept me in the game, and they, you know, I went through – 
couple handfuls of smelling salts. Every time I'd come out, uh, the trainers told me they'd clear my head and go back in. And that was pretty standard back then. And then um, the following 81 season, um, I was just coming off of a knee surgery early in the year, and I uh, started developing uh, major headaches and projectile vomiting, and I had a ball of light in each eye, and uh, my hearing would come and go at the feet of my heart. And they misdiagnosed it as high blood pressure. So I was on high blood pressure pills for two or three weeks while my brain was hemorrhaging. And then I had the focal point paralysis of the right arm on top of everything else. And that's when they finally figured out I was having a brain hemorrhage. Oh, my. So the the, the team doctor diagnosed me in the locker room and uh, gave me a piece of paper and told me to go home, lay down, and drive down to Stanford to see this neurologist in the afternoon. Uh, so no one seemed too concerned about the brain hemorrhage. So I went home, laid down, and drove down to Stanford. And um, they took one look at me, wanted to do a, a CAT scan, a brain scan, but they couldn't get me in for a while. So that evening they did a CAT scan, and I had developed hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain. And then they rushed me in and did emergency um, VP shunt brain surgery, where basically they drilled a hole in my skull, and they inserted a tube into the middle of my brain. Uh, it ends in, in the ventricle. And they ran that tube under the skin to a, a pressure valve they installed in the back of my head behind my right, right ear. And from the pressure valve, they ran a tube down the side of my neck, through my, my pectoral muscle, and down into my abdomen. So I have permanent plumbing in my, my head now to drain spinal fluid out of my brain. Oh, my. And, of course, unfortunately, these things don't last. So within uh, four months after the Super Bowl, and I was told I could still play. You know, oh my, I came wow. back and, and worked out the rest of the year. And they were talking about having a special made helmet to protect my shunt, which was which is crazy. It's, it's impossible. But So four months after the Super Bowl, my shunt failed. I was down in Mexico fishing with my brother, and um, he brought me home in a coma. I had two more brain surgeries just a day apart in Sacramento. They were, I was given last rites. Now, I was 22 when I had my first oh, brain surgery. Wow. You know, so this has been my entire adult life. So you were given last rites, George? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was 20, 23 years old. I'd, I'd, after the, the second brain surgery the next morning, I'd gone, went back into a coma. And um, so given last rites. And then I have literally no recollection of the next 12 to 14 months. Um, I guess I was really out of it, doing things totally out of character. And my first memory was um, of uh, hospital bills for the second, third brain surgeries. So I'd write on, you know, please build San Francisco 49ers. And even to this day, with my memory, which is horrible, I'm writing notes as we speak because I won't remember this conversation. Um, but even even to this day, I, I wrote, I, I would I would write please go San Francisco Forty Nine. I wrote their address so many times I still remember it. It was Seven Eleven Nevada Street, Redwood <laughs> City, and I would get it back from them a couple weeks later. The Niners and they just circle the total and write you owe this amount, and that started me on a several year legal battle just just to sue to get my earned workers' comp benefits. Oh my benefits. gosh! And during that period, while I'm battling them to get the bills, and I had creditors on me, it was crazy. During that time period, I had two more knee surgeries repairing what they botched. Um, I had including an artificial Gore-Tex ACL transplant. So I won my case in 86, my work comp case. And 
by the grace of God, I, I didn't take any money. They offered me, uh, I forget what it was, 35000 70 something like that, which would have been like two days in intensive care. And so luckily I had the foresight to not take any money, and I, I, I asked that my back medical be paid, my future medical be left open, which any other work comp claim would cover. And then I, I, I used vocational rehab to go back to school and complete my biology degree. I was a biology major at Colorado, but I was drafted, you know, after my senior, I hadn't finished my degree yet. So I went back to school at Sac State in 86, and I had four more semesters of chemistry and two of physics and two of pre-calc. Wow. And uh, in one nine-month period from 86 to 87, I had five more brain surgeries, several grand mal seizures, Developed dyslexia, major short-term memory issues. It took me five more years to graduate. I was 32 when I finally finished my biology degree and started work as a wildlife biologist. And then uh, that went till uh, oh, I, I did that for about seven years. Then I, I taught high school for uh, two and a half years. I taught biology, environmental studies, chemistry, and algebra. And then... Um, uh, my shot failed again, actually, in 94, before I started teaching. I had my ninth brain surgery. Oh, my. Um, and then, uh, boy, I went on. I opened up my own environment. I was a lands manager for a big mitigation banking company, building wetlands. And then I started my own environmental consulting business in 2003. And um, the, by then, the memory issues were, I've always had to write everything down at beepers and reminders. Right. It was just getting to the point where, you know, I would do big projects, big environmental projects, and forget to bill them. Oh, my. And by then, I was, thir- you know, I was 35, 36 or 7 when I, fi- when I finally got married for the first time. But So by then, I'd been married for several years, and we had we had three kids at the time. And, and, you know, I was forgetting to build projects, and we were, you know, we were getting ready to lose the house, and things were imploding. Um uh, the memory issues were just killing us. And so I ended up losing my environmental consulting business. And um, my wife and I have 20, almost 20 years now are going through a divorce. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I have people like Renee Scholl or my director that, that reminded me three times today about this, this call. You know, she's been texting me all day. I mean, I can have a reminder 15 minutes before the call, and then she'll have to send me one at, at oh five gosh. minutes. Wow, George! And then she'll and then she'll send me one. You're on. You're on. We're on right now. <laughs> uh, so, but I've managed to get through things. I mean, in 2010, I started the Visitor Group, Traumatic Brain Injury Consulting, and um, I speak all over the country. Um, we're we're doing a big, and then of course we're doing the big fundraiser this Friday for Dondre Ransom out here in Sacramento. And I got involved in this last probably December. Um, Dondre is a local high school player here. He played at Hiram Johnson at Foothill High in uh, Sacramento mm-hmm. um, at American River College here in town. And then he was an active duty Marine over in Iraq. And after surviving that, he came back and was playing for the Sacramento semi pro team last April, suffered a concussion. And the next day, he's on life support, blind, on ventilator. Uh, Dondre has two small kids. 
his um, his wife was active duty in Afghanistan. She's wow. dealing with her own injuries in Atlanta. And so a bunch of uh, local business folks in Sacramento stepped forward, um, Sharon Branson and a number of others, and, and they, they started to put together this draft day, uh, a big fundraiser for Andre. So that's coming up Friday. I have uh, We've got a handful of other NFL players coming out to speak and sign autographs. I've got Ricky Williams coming and uh, Marcus Koch, uh, Eric Williams, uh, Adrian Ross will be there. Um, uh, boy, I'm drawing a blank. So, yeah, so basically you have Chris Borland, which is an interesting Chris, story. Thank, yeah. thank you. Then Chris is coming. <laughs> That's a whole other story, yeah, when he retired and came to me. So, um yeah, for, I forgot about Chris. Yeah, There's and Terrell Smith. That's okay. I'm here for you. That, that's yeah. why. That's why I'm a host that d- prepares. It's funny. I was telling your person called me, and I'm like, oh well, you know, I am going. I need talk points. I'll just use the flyer. I said, okay, great, because I'm always having to be prepared, and I can't remember. And honestly, here's an interesting thing, George. I'm not uh, to the point in severity with you, but I was a former professional wrestler, and I at times at 42 years old forget people's names I interviewed a, uh, a day the same day. But I uh, I don't know if that's because I have so much on my plate, but I have to write things down. I have to have yep. certain visual reminders. I deal with thousands of people a week, honestly, because of my education background and all that. Sure. But I believe, I, I, I know I had concussions. I mean, I had oh, sure. garbage can matches where we were hit with garbage cans. And I was hit with phones. I was hit with chairs and where my bell was rung so many times. But in pro wrestling, forget about it. What I'm glad is yeah. I'm going to continue to pray for you, George, is that you have not gotten to the point of some of these stories of other other people have had trauma injuries with concussions that in the pro wrestling game or uh, in the NFL stories like Mike Webster or different things to the point that it gets to that severity. And I know you, right. you have overcome a lot and I'm glad you say you're blessed because really how you're able to do it is the grace of God for what. Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I totally, it, it's been totally God has had his hand on me and continues to have his hand on me. Uh, I'm thankful every day for what I've been through, um, uh, where I'm at. I'm, I'm able to to touch other people's lives. I hope that that's kind of what I feel like my mission is now. Um, I'll be speaking, like I said, out in Michigan on uh, June 4th at a, a big brain injury function. I've got Chris Borland going to join me at, at some of these other talks that I'm doing. Um, I'll be in Chicago, uh, Cleveland on the 5th and 6th. And then uh, I'll be out in Houston for a while. Um, we just did our preliminary showing two or three weeks ago of uh, Todd Trigstead's movie, uh, Gridiron Gladiators, The History and Uncertain Future of American Football. Mm-hmm. We did that up in Portland, Oregon. And it's a tremendous, just a history of the game from, from start to from the 1800s evolution. It shows old, old movies of 1905. You realize in 1906 and 1907, there were 43 deaths in football. Oh, my gosh. 43, and there was only like the Ivy League and a few other. There was just a few colleges playing. And Teddy Roosevelt actually canceled football, got all the Ivy League together, and said, either make the game safer or we're going to get rid of it. And so it takes you into the evolution of pads began then, and it takes you right up to Dr. Ann McKee doing brain autopsies on the NFL players that, Boston University and showing the CTE that's killing everybody. You know, we've had, um, so that movie is tremendous. And, and Todd Trickstead and I, another producer, um, we've also, we're also putting together a national tour 
That's called Your Brain Matters. And we're going to be going around the country promoting the movie and promoting um, a visitor game plan. And I put together a, a, a game plan. People can go to our website and, and download it, or we're actually we're just going to put it on there. But it, it's basically the things that I've learned my last 34 years of living with traumatic brain injuries on how it could not just survive, but to thrive. Yes, and I believe and it, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, things like, like simple things like, like high doses of omega-3 fish oils. Um, I do hyperbaric oxygen treatments. I, I read a lot. I work my brain, um, neuroplasticity. Uh, I use natural antioxidants like, like concentrated cranberry juices and blueberry juices and things like that to reduce inflammation in my brain. There's a lot of things. I mean, four years ago, before I started on all my treatments, and I used Barry Sears' um, uh, omega-3s, which are the, probably the purest, the highest quality there are. Dr. Barry Sears is tremendous. People can go right to our website if they want and order through us for a 10% discount uh, directly to Barry Sears mm-hmm. and Will Health. But, um, I mean, I, I've learned, you know, I was 22 when I had my first brain surgery. You know, I mean, so I, I mean, just thinking about that, George, I mean... I'm blown away. Your story in general, definitely have to have back when you're promoting another event. We'll get Chris Borland on hopefully as well. We'll try to set something sure. up for when some of the other events because I'm a national program. Let's promote some of the areas you're going on and continue this friendship for sure. Uh, because yep. I, I think it's a thing. I mean, I think about my, my brain trauma at times and different things. And, and specifically I, 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 by the grace of God, I don't know how I'm able to teach so many different things. So how were you able to, with your first injury, be able to handle biology and those courses just to get your degree in bio. I mean, this you know, is so um, complex for sure. That kind of stuff. You know, you know, and, and you go way back. Like my my first my my worst concussion I ever had was my third year Pop Warner. Oh my! I was thirteen years old. I was not totally unconscious and just an absolute worthless bull in the ring drill, which was just a, a a drill for the coach's amusement. You know, it didn't teach the kids anything. And um, that started me on my concussion career. But I ne- other than that one, I never missed a play or a game with concussions. Mm-hmm. I played entire games in college that I don't remember playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing in the pros. But when I got into the into school, um, you know, it was just I was constantly getting knocked on my butt with brain surgeries, and 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 I just learned, you know, in football there's a saying: um, uh, short, choppy steps. And and we we have a little wristbands on our website that people can buy, and the money is donated to a nonprofit. It says "rip short choppy steps," and, and I've used that 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 theme. And basically, it means in football, it, you know, if you take a big long stride, yes. someone can knock you over with your, with one finger. You know, you're stretched out. You can, but in football, you know, you want your feet about shoulder width apart, and and your right, you know, your foot toe to instep, and you want little short. 8, 10, 12-inch driving steps with your butt down. That's where you get power. And so, uh, and I use that that analogy, and also in football, you know, if you if a football team only averaged, only got four yards every play, no more, no less, they would never lose a game. Yeah. You think about it. They would score every single time they got the ball. They just did. four yards. So I, I used that, that mentality when I was in school. I used to just and I would study 8, 10, 12 hours a day, literally, in the library. And I learned that if I went home, because with my in, my brain injuries, it's very hard for me to filter out background noise or distractions. So I would go to the library, and I would find a cubicle in the very back of the library where nobody would walk by me, 
and I couldn't have anything on the desk. I just, except for my paper, and I would just focus on studying one equation at a time. And sometimes it took me eight hours to get that equation down. Oh, my down. gosh, because you think about the biology equations, how complex they are. Oh, I mean, the, yeah. the, the chemistry. I chemistry, was in organic yeah. chemistry. I was in organic chemistry three times when my shunt blew out, had brain surgery, dropped out of school. Came back, took it again, brain surgery. The third time, I have brain surgery on Saturday. I leave the hospital two days later, Monday, Tuesday, I'm back in class. I'm not going to drop out. I have 50, 50 staples in the back of my head, and I have a monster grandma seizure sitting in class. Oh, my. Hospitalized, drop out of school again. You know, come back again for the fourth time to take organic. Uh, and I'm not young. I mean, I'm, I went into school. I was 20. Yeah, I mean, so, so, I, mean, yeah, I, I, mean I know from tutoring kids in this, this subject matter yeah. and the amount of time, and you don't have that ability to retain that information. So, George, I'm going to tell you, have you written the story? Have you written your story well, before? You, uh, you know what? Yeah. About four years ago, I started on um, just, just so I could take in the doctor's appointments because it's so convoluted. I, 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 it was titled My, my Injury, My Sports Injury uh, Education History. And then as I kept writing and writing on it, I started putting, like, little parts. Oh, yeah, I had that first brain. My first concussion was my third-year Pop Warner. You know, we had won the championship. So I started putting stuff in, and the next thing I knew, I had, like, 100 pages. I have 512 pages into my book right now. That, But my problem is the story keeps going. But I sent it to an editor recently, and... Um, he said it, it, that's going to be about a thousand-page book, so it's way too long. So right now, I'm trying to cut it down into three separate books. Okay. And, and the first one, the, the first sentence in the first book is, "Oh my God, your brain's hemorrhaging." That Dr. Fred Bailing, the 49ers orthopedic surgeon, as he finally diagnosed me in the locker room one day. You know, so it starts off there, and I'll take him through that first Super Bowl season and my brain surgery then and. And then I got to figure out the second book will be more like probably the early years, yes. which were crazy. I mean, I played on, you know, undefeated Pop Warner teams. I played, I lost one game in high school. That was it. Wow. My senior year, we, we were nationally ranked, ranked third in California. Oh, George. I went yeah. on to play, mm. I went on to play Colorado. We played Ohio State in the Orange Bowl my, my freshman year. We won the Big Eight. You know, I've played on great teams with great players, so there's tremendous stories in the second book coming up. And then I think the the last book will be what we're doing with the visitor group since 2010, uh, my work with the NFL. Yes. In, 2000, in 2009, um, uh, Congresswoman Linda Sanchez called a hearing in Washington, D.C., and they put the head of the NFL's what was called then the Mild Traumatic Brain Injury Group but they put the head of it on Dr. Ira Kasson on stand for three days and just mm. ripped him. Mm. And, and, and he denied everything, and, and there was no correlation between repeated head trauma and long-term cognitive declines in the players. And, and Senator uh, Congresswoman Sanchez, who I took my, the VIS group down, we met with her a couple years ago. And I have, a, I have a link to her interview in 2009 when she's looking at Dr. Kasson, and she said, Sir, your answers to me smack." smack of big tobacco all over again yes I, so, so Cass, Cassin quit at the end of at the end of 09 and they hired this new doctor dr rich ellenbogen to be the head the co-chair of what they now call the mild traumatic brain injury group hmm. 
And, oh, no, I'm not in the cult. And they now call it the head, the head, neck, and spine. So injury. that's a. I wish I, we have to have you back on again, George. Definitely. I hope. <laughs> I hope you can come back on again. I hope we yeah, can stay friends. And, and and we can stay friends. Remember, here's the event for everyone. May 29th. I'll do this for you. Uh, the Red you. Lion Inn in Woodlake. It's a Woodlake Conference Center. We'll host the the fashion show and gala, bringing education and awareness to dramatic brain injuries. It's the it's called Draft Day Sacramento. George, which we've been talking about, will be there. Chris Borland, Adrian Ross, Marcus Koch, uh, uh, Ricky Williams, Eric Williams, and Terrell Smith. All these NFL players will be at this event. Definitely, you got to check it out. Uh, George, best place to find information on your website. Where can we go? Yep, go to www.thevisgergroup.org. All right, well, George, fantastic. You let me know your other events. You're going to come on and promote them. Love to have Chris Borland on. Love to have anyone that's really behind what you're doing that are NFL athletes and and really tell your story because there's a lot more to tell. And I wish I had so much time because you're an amazing guy. And my prayers will be with you because you are going to make a tremendous difference in people's lives, especially so they know the dangers of head injuries and how to deal with the day-to-day life of of an athlete who gets injured uh, based on head trauma. So thanks again for calling, George. And, and not just athletes. We work with everyone dealing everybody, with everybody, everybody, with everybody. Yeah. Uh, everyone has those stories. So thanks again for calling, George, and best of luck to you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Right. God bless you. God bless you, too. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. Two great, exciting guests. Again, remember to go to my website, tolltitter.net, for more information. Twitter, Tolltitter, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Tolltitter, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus, Neil Haley. And let the, the fun continue. I love working with Triumph Books and the great authors, Triumph Books. And what I kind of try to pick teams that I do like, or at one point like, even though I'm a Pittsburgh guy, I went to Western Maryland College, which is McDaniel College, for one year. And I spent my day at Candom Yards many a times when it first opened up. So I'm excited to welcome the program. Author of 100 Things the Orioles Should Know and Do Before They Die, Dan Conley. Dan, thanks for calling. And Candom Yards is a great place to watch a baseball game, isn't it? No question. I mean, I, you know, I've had the, uh, I guess, the good fortune, I would say, to be able to do that for 15 years, to have my office the Camden Yards press box, and uh, it's a pretty special place. And actually, in the book, we had to order, or I had to order at least the first 25 really in, in what I thought was the most important things about Orioles history. And, uh, you know, and obviously there's a lot of great players in that. Um, but to me, number seven, which is, you know, obviously in the top ten, even before a couple of Hall of Famers, is Camden Yards. It's that important oh. to the Orioles, that important to Baltimore. Um, just a, you know, a great place. And it really did is ballpark. You know, as you know, as, as a Pittsburgh guy, it really did change the way, you know, ballparks are created and where they're located and how they look. Um, you know, and there's been so many replicas now of Camden Yards or, or kind of similar uh, stadiums and structures right. to Camden Yards now. Yeah, no, it's very interesting when you talk about Camden Yards. And what I love is the wall. 
I mean, the, the, you walk into that park, sorry, PNC Park, it's not Canham Yards. When the, the, Canham Yards was built probably, I think, a year before PNC Park, or maybe two, when, but when I went to that ballpark and I walked in, and you could just see just how it's just built, and it just, it just, it's unlike any other ballpark. Describe it. I mean, specifically when you walk in, it just, it feels so old time. You know, they try to do that with uh, the Jake and, and PNC Park, but it's not like Canham Yards, in my opinion. Well, I, I think that's probably because Canham Yards was the first. I mean, it was the right. first, what they call, retro ballpark. And I think that, you know, for, from that point on, once you have something that, that is so original, even the ones that are nice. And PNC is a beautiful park. It um, is, yeah. I, I love the one in San Francisco as well. They're two of my favorites. Um, and they have some similar, you know, some similarities to Cannon Yards. But Cannon Yards was the first, and that's the one that you really kind of look to and gravitate toward, and it had that old-time feel. And it's funny, because in the book I mentioned that, you know, when they first were doing the design for Cannon Yards, right. they were looking at something similar to the new Comiskey Park. Um, it was done by the same designers, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but it, it doesn't compare to the newer ballparks, obviously, the ones that were built after it. And, you know, uh, several different people, Larry Lucchino, Janet Marie Smith, they looked at this, and they did not like that idea of, you know, another large structure that, you know, is real high up, and it's kind of different. It looks like almost like it was, you know, thrown into the city. They wanted something to kind of build around the city. Exactly. And obviously, the, the B&O warehouse wall that you're referring to um, is one of the largest, you know, free, freestanding brick structures um, on the East Coast. And to have it, I really, it looked like almost the right field wall. Now, it's not. And it, it, one of the, uh, the the chapters in here is how everyone thought that someone would hit home runs off of that wall. And they even have plexiglass in the, uh, in the, in the first, I think, bottom four rows of bottom four levels. And no one's come close to actually hitting it in the fly in a ball game. The only time it's actually been hit in the fly on a televised situation was when Ken Griffey Jr. did it um, in the All Star, or in the All Star game, home run derby. So, but it looks, it looms over Camden Yards, and it, you know, it, it really is a big piece of Baltimore history as well. Um, in fact, the 1954 Orioles, when they, you know, the very first time they were Orioles, they got to Baltimore from a trip from Detroit. They were getting ready to play their first home game in uh, at Memorial Stadium. And they arrived at Camden Station. Oh, wow. So, I mean, there's so many ties to the history of the Baltimore Orioles just in that building alone. Exactly. To have that as part of the, you know, of the, the structure is fantastic. And to watch a ball game during the, the day at Canham Yards, it's unlike anything else. I mean, I, we, it was funny. Every time I spent my college days, hey, let's go out to the ballpark or let's go on the weekend and enjoy. And this is when the Orioles started to start winning it, started winning again. You know, they were down, but I, I love just the tradition of that old ballpark. And when that wall is the coolest thing. And it kind of reminds me of every of uh, certain ballparks. And you remember, you know, you think of Wrigley Field. You think of you think of the great, the monster wall in Boston. And you, and you also think of PNC Park and how they're able to hit the ball into the water. Or you think of the old Royal Stadium with the waterfall. That's the kind of thing that makes it so different. And it makes it so fun and unique for that baseball park, for sure. Now, if we were going down the list of great Orioles, I think that you, you, you got to first go with Ripken for sure, Cal Ripken Jr. And uh, in your years of covering the Orioles and stuff like that, did you ever have? A, you've had conversations with Cal, haven't you? Yeah, actually, my his Cal's last year uh, with the Orioles was 2001, which is my first year covering. 
So I covered him his whole final season. Wow. Um, okay. And got to have a bit of a relationship with him that through that. And then, um, you know, and then obviously, you know, I was there for his Hall of Fame thing. And he, Cal comes back a, a fair amount. He has a lot of different projects he works with. He, I talked to him for this book. I talked to him at length for this book as well. There's a chapter. He's probably, it, it's funny, when they asked me to do this, and again, I was supposed to order at least get a real tight order of the first few, and I was stuck because you, you say that, you know, you think of, of Cal Ripken, but a lot of people in Baltimore, when they think of the order, they think of Brooks Robinson. And so Brooks Robinson and Cal Ripken Jr. are 1 and 1A, for the most important Orioles. I mean, if you have a Mount Rushmore of two, <laughs> yes. it's those two guys. And you really, it's an argument upon uh, generational lines on who is the more important. The older generation, the guys in their you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s, they'll tell you that it was, that it was Brooks. Guys my age, you know, younger than 50, say 20, 25 to 50, they're going to say maybe Cal. So it was kind of a, a trade-off for me. So what I did, I chickened out <laughs> in my first chapter, is actually the Oriole Way, which is based on the uh, the kind of foundation of um, you know how the Orioles built you know the great history and, and you know the pitching, the defense, three run homer, the fundamentals, that kind of thing, and, and that was that became kind of the foundation for so many players beyond you know just the beginning. So therefore, that was my number one. Right. I went with Brooks two, and then I came out and gave Cal three, and then gave Cal Street four. <laughs> okay, and there are several other. Cal uh, chapters, including a chapter on his father, and uh, right. a chapter on him and his brother playing for his father. I hope to get a chance someday to interview Cal Ripken Jr. I hope it happens. I've interviewed some pretty interesting uh, celebrity guests, but that would be an awesome one to get a phoner with for sure. Or ever if I uh, if ever he comes to Pittsburgh and you get that opportunity, the, I add my celebrity list all the time, Dan, and I tell you that would be just a phenomenal one because one thing that he does. In that time of baseball, right before he retires to the steroid days, he's clean. He's somebody that we always can still look up to and not have that taint like so many baseball players of his time. Really, that... And he truly, and he truly was an ambassador for the game. I mean, obviously, you know, people talk to about what, what you just spoke about, but if you go even before that, you know, the strike in 94-95 in set so many people away from baseball. Right. And the question was, when would they return? Would they ever return? And then, you know, just a few months after that, in September of, of 1995, you have Rifkin breaking Garrett's record, which is one of the, the most, you know, coveted and treasured records in baseball history. Exactly. And he's breaking that. And, it, and it's, a, it's a record that's not done by performance. It's just done by basically by showing up. It's a lunch pail performance. And I think that spoke to a lot of people. And he speaks about that and the importance of the streak and, and what it meant, what he thought, it meant to people and why it resonated then with, with people and why it resonates now. I mean, a lot of people will say that he was, you know, he helped save baseball. And obviously that same mantle was thrown upon Sosa McGuire when they had the home run record, but now it looks tainted when you look back on it. So, I mean, I think a lot of people do point to, to Cal as being, you know, if not a savior of the current game of baseball, certainly a tremendous ambassador for it. Now, Dan... Uh, I know, I don't, uh, it's funny, I was joking with the Red Wings author, 100 Things, I said, it, Game 7 against the Penguins is definitely in the top 100. I don't think We Are Family 1979 was in your top 100, was it? Oh, most certainly. It was I, I made sure to mention, oh, absolutely. I mean, each one of the, uh, in fact, in fact, number 23 and number 24 are losing to the Pirates Part 1 and losing to the Pirates Part 2. <laughs> um, because... Because, you know, first of all, you have to look at the fact that the World Series, I mean, you're talking about six World Series for the Orioles, and obviously all of them are, are tremendous moments and important right. moments in history 
for the team. So you can't just you can't just forget about that and say, oh, well, they lost. You can't look at that. But both of those series were were ones that you know really do resonate years upon years later in baseball fans' minds. Yes, definitely. Even though you know you know even though though you know maybe your team wasn't in it, you certainly remember those. Basically, because of the performances, they they both went to seven games. Um, so obviously, that's, right. you know, it's always a lot of fun. Um, the you know Roberto Clemente basically took over the 1971 World Series for the most part. I mean, and, and that was a tremendous World Series. Right. And then in '79, Stargell did the same. Um, and both of them, like I said, I mean, in '79, the Orioles were up three games to one, and you know, and, and lost, lost the three in a row. And in '79, you know, the Orioles, I think that they almost took the the Pirates for granted. I mean, '71, they almost took the Pirates for granted because. They were so good. They were the defending champs in 1970. They've been in the World Series in '69, and I don't think they really thought that the pitching that the Pirates were putting out there was going to measure up. The Orioles had four 20-game winners that year, and you know, so that because they had such a great team, because they had a 20-game winner and didn't win the World Series, I think that's always going to be you know resonation in, in the Orioles fans' minds and, and really baseball fans' minds. People will always remember those. So. To me, you can't leave those out. They're exceptionally important, and they're top 25. Well, Dan, as you see, I have a lot of memories. There's a lot more memories of the Orioles, but you got to pick up the book for sure and check it out. And uh, so where's the best place we can find information on you, Dan? Uh, check out the book, learn more about you, all the different places. Where can they go? Well, as far as you know, nationally, online, you can find it in a lot of different places. I mean, triumphbooks.com has it. Uh, obviously, that's, that's the publisher. Also, Amazon.com. It's available there. It's available at BarnesandNoble.com, Walmart.com. I mean, if you basically do a Google search of 100 Things Orioles, you can find it locally in the in you know in the Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia areas. I mean, Barnes and Noble covers it, carries it. A lot of different bookstores are carrying it. Um, and I'm doing you know appearances and stuff throughout the Mid Atlantic region. So that's kind of a cool thing. Um, but really, it's, it's fairly accessible. I mean, like I said, if you just Google. 100 Things Orioles and Connolly, you'll be able to find probably 10 places immediately you'll be able to purchase it from. Because people always go to the beach, Dan, that people that are not from Baltimore are Baltimore Oriole fans because they spend some of their summers listening to Orioles games and that they might not have a good year of a team. And especially if the Pirates are in a different division, the Orioles never play them. There are fans of Orioles all over the country for sure, and especially because of, uh, you know, going to the beach. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever thought of that before, but that's something that was interesting for sure. So Dan, thanks for calling and uh, really enjoyed the conversation and we'll see. And uh, I didn't bring up anything about the new Orioles, but that was exciting last year and we'll see what they do this year. Possible. That's one of the great things about the, the, the book too, is that it's, you know, we're at a situation where really there's a whole lot of interest in the Orioles. They won a division last year for the first time in 17 years, lots of, of interest in them. So this seems like a real good timing for the book as well. Exactly. Well, thanks for calling, Dan, and best of luck. All right. Take care. Okay, you. bye. You're watching The Neil Haley Show and listening to Author's Corner, and we'll be back in just a moment with another great guest. What an awesome total celebrity show. Eddie George, oh my gosh, I think about this with Eddie and, and think about specifically bringing up how he sh destroyed the Steelers. He was a nightmare when we faced the Titans. Steelers couldn't tackle him. He was an unbelievable athlete. Tremendous guy. Too bad he didn't have a longer career. Heisman Trophy. And now I'm working on another Heisman Trophy winner. Go to my website, tolltutor.net, for more information. Twitter, tolltutor, Neil S. Haley. Facebook, George Reisger. Oh, my gosh. I mean, 
What a tremendous story. I'm just blown away every time I listen to this story to know that he's had over seven, eight, or nine brain surgeries, and he's still trying to make a difference. He sees the purpose in his life, and that's phenomenal. And then we we uh, also had an unbelievable interview with uh, again Dan Conley. Dan is a great guy. Hundred things the Orioles know and do before they die. Triumph books. I love working with them, and that's the fun thing. It might have been on the network earlier, but it was not on the Celebrity Show, and it belongs on the Celebrity Show because it's a heck of an interview. I hope everyone has a great day, and we'll talk tomorrow. With some more great education doc. Good everyone. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.